Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Sarah Ellen did Ellen. the most amazing thing. Now, this is twice in my life that this has happened, that somebody sent me a present for their birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for your birthday present to me. 
You're I am, awesome. Thank you so much. I am enjoying everything. it immensely. Oh, <laughs> and happy and birthday, happy. Sarah Ellen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Susan. I just so enjoy knowing you in my life. You are such a blessing in so many ways. So thank you from the, all of my heart. I said to Justine, I said, isn't there something wrong with my accepting a present from somebody whose birthday it is? Shouldn't I be sending her a birthday present? She said, no, <laughs> your glad acceptance is the birthday present to Sarah Ellen. Blessed be. Thank you, Justine, and thank you again, Susan. <laughs> Good thing I have a wise daughter. Oh yes, indeed. <laughs> so there are so there are so many things in our salad already. We're almost giddy with the with the abundance of things that we can put in our salad. We have uh, we have garlic mustard to put in our salad. We have acres of garlic mustard, of course, to put in our salad. And soon we will start harvesting enough to cook because it really cooks down. Uh, but right now we're totally enjoying it because it's not yet coming up into flour. Just starting to do that. So we're cutting off those tops and putting them in the salad. And, of course, we have the uh, bedstraw gallium, which is coming up, coming up and not yet flowering. So just the tender little tips of that. And then all of the mints, except, of course, for motherwort. <laughs> a little bit bitter there. The lemon balm is above ground, and the field mint is above ground, and the catnip is. The catnip is so big. You look out there and you think, how'd you get so big so fast? And the ground ivy is already blooming. And, of course, the lamium, it's called purple dead nettle. How confusing. Uh, but it gives the new name to the family, right? It used to be the, the Labiatae, and now it's the Lamiaceae. And it's from the Lamias, from the dead nettles, which are considered to have the most characteristic flowers. So if you have any dead nettle, don't confuse it with nettle, but go out and look at the flowers and really say, okay, so you're a mint flower. Um, what else did we put in our salad? We put violet flowers in our salad, and we put dandelion leaves and dandelion flowers and forsythia flowers, and wow, did you wow. have salad? Did you have salad today, mm-hmm. and what did you pick? Well, I had some fresh-picked things in the yard while I was outside, and I picked some actually purple dead nettle and some dandelions and uh uh, yesterday, I actually did maybe a little silly thing, but I wanted to try it. I took a tiny little piece of a very young nettle, and I put that in my mouth. And it was interesting. It was quite stingy, even that small. <laughs> yes. It wasn't right off the bat, but it, it, it let me know that it was making a small sting, and it stuck around for a few minutes. So it was interesting. <laughs> the way that, that I was taught to eat raw nettle is to roll the leaf with the side that faces the sun out and the side with the midrib in. So you roll it from the bottom toward the tip, and then you crush it between your fingers Mm. until it's Mm. wet. And then you put it in your mouth and chew it, and you don't get stung. Oh, I'm going to be trying that again tomorrow then. Thanks. Yes. Not that it's a problem, but if you actually want to eat nettle, that is how you can do it without getting stung. Long time ago, a long time ago, oh gosh, maybe 30 years ago, there was an herbalist 
who told a class about that. They were by the nettle, and she said, you know, I've been taught that you can do this, da-da-da, and here's how you do it, da-da-da. And she did not encourage the students to do it, but neither did she discourage them from doing it. And one of the students did do it, and she decided that this teacher had injured her. And she hired a lawyer to bring a suit against her for injury from eating raw nettle. Oh, my goodness. I know. It just right. It just makes you like kind of convulse with like what? Right. And she was she was going to you know like make a little disclaimer that she was going to give to all of the, her students you know like I understand that. Um, hang on just a second. Hang on just a second. Were you asked to do that? Thank you. Um, and, and I told her that legally, actually, if you give someone a disclaimer. Um, it can be used as evidence that you knew something dangerous could happen. Mm-hmm. So disclaimer doesn't necessarily protect you. I, I said, no, you just simply have to say that there's no possible way that this woman could have been injured and just stick to your guns. And she did, and it was fun. Nice. Great yeah. advice, Great Yeah, so, advice. We, you, know, when, you know, when we're faced with that kind of fear... It's easy to get infected mm-hmm. and to shut down and to say the way that I'm not going to be afraid is I'm going to protect myself instead of saying the way I'm not going to be afraid is I'm going to be present. I'm going to be real. Mm-hmm. You know I don't have a TV and I don't watch TV, but it has been impossible to be in any public place without the trial being on and a guilty verdict. We are all, we are all so happy. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Not that it does justice for the thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of other lives that mattered in the United States. Police officers kill, on an average day, four people of all mm. colors and races. Certainly, there is skew to it. But if you believe that there is police violence, uh, you're probably right. Mm. And there was one, I believe she's a congresswoman who said, we just need to dismantle the police force altogether. It's too broken to fix. Which I thought was a very bold thing to say, knowing as she must that no one would dare to agree with her. Wow. And yet, she said it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And wow, wow, we have a guest tonight that I know for a long time, and admired before I ever came to know her, and continue to admire more and more and more throughout the time that I have known her. There's not a lot of people that any of us can say that about. Often when we admire someone and meet them, sometimes, you know, like the kind of uh, shine wears off a little bit because we see, now, this this Lisa LaVart, who will be here at 9 o'clock tonight, um, has gone from good to really good to 
excellent to superb to incredible throughout yeah. her career, both as a person and as an artist. I'm going to let her tell you about what she's doing. My princess is sitting here right now looking at her book, Goddess on Earth, in which she went to women and said, what goddess are you? And then photographed them as that goddess. It's an amazing book, amazing work that she does. And as I said, this is, this is um, previous work. Her most recent work is even more incredible. Lisa LaVart, stay with us until 9 o'clock or come back so that you can hear what she has to say. You will be moved, and I hope that you check out Goddess on Earth, her incredible book. I'm looking forward to the class this weekend, too. I have my annual spring tonics class. I remember asking one of the grandmothers one spring, and I said, well, you know, there's this whole heroic idea about the spring cleanse. And, uh, you know, what what do you have to say about the spring cleanse? And she said, well, I don't, you know, don't do anything that I would call that. She said, but after you spent the winter in a longhouse with a lot of smoky fires, believe me, you want to get out and you want to really breathe some clean air. And if that's a cleanse, I'm all for it. She says, and after a winter of eating, and you know, by the time it's getting to the end of the winter, food that's like not in its really absolute best shape, she says, wow, I want to get out there and I want to eat those greens. And if that's a spring cleanse, well, then I'm doing it, she says. But, but I don't think of it that way. And um, so I don't think of it that way either. I think of it as, uh, yeah, wow, who doesn't? on feeling the movement of the leaves, what Hildegard of Bingen called veriditas, the power that unfurls the leaf, the mm. green power. It was her way of talking about chi, veriditas. And there's no better time to really experience veriditas than right now in these weeks so much is happening. The apprentice and I went for a, a walk today, and I couldn't actually tell if it was the same cardinal pair who was following us around, or if there is just a lot of cardinals around here today. But it, everywhere we went, suddenly we'd look around, and there would be a pretty bird, pretty cardinal, teacher. So uh, my nod to the cardinals today and to all of the wonderful blessings that they bring us. Oh, hmm. so lovely. So lovely. There was a, a, an apprentice who was here one year, and um, she, we had gone up to Grandmother Twyla's, and Grandmother Twyla named her um, Blue Jay. And she said to me, well, tell me what you know about blue jays. And I told her what I do about blue jays. What do you know about blue jays? Oh, I know they will take or eat eggs from another bird's nest. Yeah, I told her that. And they're bossy um, and they drive other birds away from bird feeders. Right, right. Right. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of loud and obnoxious. Certainly. <laughs> crushed. Mm. I should have, I should have, you know, like 
suffering. <laughs> like, what was she really asking me? She wasn't really asking me to tell her about Bluebird. She was really asking me to tell her about herself, right? <laughs> Oh. Not Bluebird, Blue Jay, right? Because she'd just been named Blue Jay, right? And so she really, like, somehow thought that I was saying that she was loud and obnoxious and stole other birds' eggs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, not true. <laughs> also, ah. <clears throat> There's much to be admired in the blue jay. It has lovely feathers. I have a blue jay feather in the car with me because I like the color. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess it's time to ask if there's anybody who has a question tonight. Uh, yeah. So we actually have already four people who have raised their hands to let us know they have a question. We have many more callers on the line. And I'll let everyone listening know that if you have a question tonight, please press 1. And we will know you have your hand raised and you will be brought on the air to speak live with Susan. Our first caller tonight is calling from the 541 area code. And the 541, you're live with Susan. Hello, Susan. This is Rebecca. Rebecca, how wonderful to hear your voice. Wow. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. Um, staying busy in my my world out here and um wanted to just call and check in with everyone and tell them that tell everyone I'm doing well and um I have been uh you know just transitioning with my life um yeah how are you doing Susan well I've had 12 hyperbaric oxygen treatments now and mm-hmm. I told them if they really let me have all 40, I will probably be Wonder Woman. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah. Are those done at like a – because I looked it up and I saw that they are done It's kind of like at uh, like massage clinics sometimes, or do you go into a doctor's office? Well, you have to have the unit and you have to have the oxygen. You're in a chamber, a very small chamber, mm-hmm. right, like a tube, you're like in a test tube, with 100% oxygen. And you have to have a wow. very special building uh, because oxygen, let's face it, is explosive. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a do-it-yourself-at-home technique. No. You go into the tube, it's pressurized. You're at about like if you're under 30 feet of, of water. So it's an extra atmosphere. You're at two atmospheres of pressure instead of one. And then the tube's filled with 100% oxygen, and you're left to marinate for an hour and a half, and then you're depressurized. Wow, wow. So you yeah. just, you do some meditation in there? and Well, you know, truthfully, the first time I went in, I said, oh, I will meditate for the whole time. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? It's really difficult to meditate laying on your back. Mm-hmm. And so now I watch movies. Today I watch Something's Gotta Give with um, Jack Nicholson. And mm-hmm. um, oh, my brain just went blank. Do you remember the name of the woman? No, it's okay. Nick- I have no idea. <laughs> okay. No, I was asking somebody else who was here. It will come to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> At another point. It was uh, Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton uh, and Jack Nicholson. Something's got to give. It was, it was so funny. Mm-hmm. Good to know that there's a funny movie out there. I'll have to check a very, it out. very funny movie out there. So it really makes the time pass in wonderful ways. And I saw Annie Sprinkles, new, actually her older movie, Saving Pauling Mountain, and... Doing some edification along with my enjoyment. 
wonderful. Yeah. Oh, so you you have been harvesting things already this year. Tell us a little, a few of the things you've already harvested. Well, um, you know, we have we have had like a very mild winter here, and in fact, it's been it's like really warm right now. It's kind of scary, like how dry it's been, um, just because of our fire season last year. So, uh, but the plants are you know, thriving and it's like you can't seem to do things <laughs> quick enough because they're growing so fast. But um, I've already been, I have nettle hung to dry and I have, you know, dandelion blossom oil here and I've already made my chickweed oil for this year. Um, it's The chickweed's pretty much done here now and gone to seed. Uh, let's see, what else do I have over here? Um, plantain leaf oil, I've been making some of that. Um, violet leaf and flower. I make a tallow balm with that. Um, that's really nice. And been harvesting comfrey roots. And I mean, <laughs> the list goes on and on. Let's see what else do I have. Um, the For those apple, of you I mean, who are just new to the herbal thing, I think what you're hearing is it's like this kind of low where we we tidy up and get everything nicely labeled and plant our gardens, and then suddenly it's like, work, 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 work. Yeah, exactly. And, I feel right to you. Um, yes, and I'm just like, it's funny because, you know, now I'm living on my own and as a single mom, and um, it's quite the different uh, pace for me. So I have actually been like, spending lots of internal time and I've been working with people one-on-one doing some healing work um, where we do some ceremonial work and then we also include you know nutrition and herbal medicine one-on-one like uh, therapeutic touch and so it's like I've been calling it kind of multi-layered healing because like (laughs) you've got to go layer by layer and but it's been a good opportunity to kind of see where my skills are and how um you know, like in depth, I can work with people one on one, and that's been it's been really a beautiful process uh, with the people I've been working with, and so that I'm and I'm still working on getting my website up, and it's been taking me a little bit longer, but when I do get that up, I'll have all of my offerings on there, and I will update um, you and the the listeners as well because I would love to, you know, for you to know what I'm up to and um, to check out what I'm doing for sure. Wow, wonderful. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. It's great to hear from you. I'm so glad you called. Yes. And I would love to talk with you uh, one-on-one. Maybe we can talk on the telephone. I know that you do um, some office work on Wednesday mornings. Is that a good time to call you? Tomorrow morning would probably be a good time to call me, and I'll um, message you with the number to use. Okay, excellent. I okay. appreciate it, yeah. Great. Okay, sounds look, great. I look forward to, to spending a little private time with you, Rebecca. How nice. Yeah, how wonderful. And it's really great to hear the show going on and to hear Sarah. And, um, yeah, and I get send my love to all the listeners. And thank you so much for all the support and love throughout the years. I really appreciate everything. It goes on and on. I love you. Yes, I love you too. All right. Have a great night, everyone.
Good night, Rebecca. Good night. All right. Uh, we have five listeners who have pressed one to let us know that they have a question. Our next caller is calling from the 608 area code. You are live on the air with Susan in the 608. Hello, Susan. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hi. Oh, oh, yeah. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm calling to... I don't know how to describe it other than I've got these, I keep getting these cracks in the sides of my, you know, the corners of my mouth that spread out across my cheek a little bit. Sometimes it really gets inflamed. Uh, sometimes I can kind of control it. I, you know, I've been listening to your show for years. And then one of the things you mentioned to a caller recently was something about putting uh, uh, OSHA on your wrist. Uh, and then I, I would dab a little OSHA in the corners of my mouth, too. Just taking it internally really didn't do much of anything. Um, and, I, yeah, and I also... What OSHA does, and it, does, it, it doesn't have, like, a broad action generally. Its action yeah. tends to be more narrow than many other herbs. And that is that it interferes with the cell's ability to absorb histamine. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty fair <clears throat> conclusion then if you take some OSHA, if you think something is swollen because there's a histamine response, which you mean an allergic response, and you don't. <clears throat> it doesn't change, then it's not that. Yeah. In fact, it sounds more like an infection. An infection? Well, it's been going on for weeks. And, uh, That's what I'm saying. I don't really understand. Yeah. Because what? infections go on for weeks. <clears throat> okay, so this is... Let me be so, that can, that tell me... I think you said that it started in the corners of your mouth, but it spread. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, and sometimes it'll it'll calm down and it'll it'll almost heal and then it'll come back. Mm-hmm. I just assumed it. So what does, what acts like that? Does a bacterial infection act like that, or does a fungal infection act like that? I don't know. Fungal infections act like that, right? Oh. I don't know that, but thank you for telling me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Warts are a fungal infection. This can't be a wart. I am not saying it's a wart. I'm trying to get you to think about fungal infections. Have you ever had a wart? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did it go away on its own? Eventually, yeah. Eventually, yeah, and then it maybe showed up in some other place. Sure. Eventually. Yeah. Mhm. That's the nature of fungal infections. They tend to kind of move around in that way. So. Oh my God. That's where the bacterial infection tends to get worse and worse and worse, right? Until it's okay, checked. Let, 
I wonder, because I, I used to have an issue where I'd get a lot of these nosebleeds, and I would, I'm wondering if this is related to that. I mean, because it's no, no longer... it's certainly your body, but other than that, no. Okay. Right. Related in that, yes, both things are happening in your body, but no, there's no particular relationship between a nosebleed and <clears throat> having a, what appears to be a fungal infection in your lips. Okay. So... Okay. It's also possible that it's a viral infection, like herpes. But would it wax and wane like that? I mean, you know, I yes, viral infections certainly can, especially herpes, right? Okay. Herpes comes and goes, right? Yeah, yeah, but usually, I mean, I I've never had something you know, continue to be such a problem before. It just keeps coming back. I don't know what it is because I'm over here on this end of the telephone and you're over there. I understand. But together we can begin to define the area we might want to look in and the herbs that might be effective. Got it. Lemon balm oil or ointment is very strong against viral infections when used externally. It's not very strong at all against viral infections when taken internally. In other words, lemon balm tea wouldn't help at all. But making an oil of lemon balm or getting an already made oil of lemon balm and applying that it's a herpes infection, could make it go away very rapidly, within two or three days. Wow. The oil of hypericum is also capable of making <clears throat> shingles, which is a kind of herpes infection, and cold sores, which is a kind of herpes infection, go away often in less than 72 hours. Hmm. Okay. So those are two herbs that have strong antiviral effects. Antifungal is a little bit harder. One of the compounds found in plants that has antifungal characteristics is berberine. Berberine is a very fascinating compound. If you're interested in you know, the ingredients in plants, you might want to check out berberine. It's found in plants as, that uh, show a yellow color. It's associated with yellow, so golden seal has berberine in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was first named for um, uh, the um, bush, beautyberry bush, which is also called barbberry bush, which is berberous. Mm-hmm. So berberine is first found in that, and you scrape back the bark, you'll see the yellow inner bark. Coptis and yellow thread, um, which is American coptis, both contain berberine. Yellow duck root contains berberine. Oregon grapefruit contains berberine. It's a widespread compound, easily found, and it's pretty strongly antifungal. Usually, again, yeah, yeah, usually again used as an oil and used externally. It's really hard to get to. Fungus, which is a surface infection, by doing things internally. 
the heroic tradition, would have you believe, that having a fungus infection somehow means that you're dirty inside and you have to cleanse and that will make it go away. But I have not seen that to be a strong association. I see the, the fungus pretty much is just <clears throat> the kind of fungus that we're talking about here is a surface phenomena. And it's coming and going, well, if you really look closely at the levels of stress and your reaction to them, uh, there's often a connection. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask, too, does this mean that I'm my immune system is not working properly? or is, it, is Your immune system not? is working perfectly. Okay. Well, In good. other words, that fungal infection is not covering your entire body, is it? No, you know, you're right. It's not. <laughs> okay. So obviously you. your immune system is working great. <laughs> okay. Well, that's encouraging. I will say in general, I tend more to think about how the body is working well rather than how the body is disappointing me and not doing a good job. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. It makes for a better That's relationship. A, yes, it does. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So those are some those are some possibilities. What I'm going to ask you to do is give us a call back, you know, in a week or two or three, and let us know what you tried and what worked and didn't work. I certainly will do that. And uh, thank you. Yeah me a lot to think about. Thank you so much. You're fucking green blessings. All right. We have four callers on the line that have pressed one to let us know they have questions. And the next caller is calling from the 907 area. In the 907, you're with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. <laughs> I have a peculiar problem. Um, I had the COVID, but it, I didn't really have it that serious or for that long of time. But it left me with distorted smell. I smell things distortedly, if, if, if you know what I mean. Yes, yes, I do. You're one of many people who basically thought, okay, well, I had COVID, but it was no big deal, who now, five to six months later, are saying, uh-oh, I have this lingering thing going on, anywhere from brain fog to smell distortion to strange things. We're not exactly sure what's going on. And it's pretty easy to feel like we can't do anything about our senses. They just are or they aren't. But okay. the training that I received has led me to believe that that's not true. And it's interesting that you bring this up because I was just thinking about this today. And partly in relationship to somebody that I really care about who said to me, I'm surrounded by beauty and I, and I just don't care. And I thought, well, what is it? How does the how does the how does the beauty make us care? How do how, how do we respond to this beauty? And I thought, well, we see it, 
we see all the flowering plants and we smell it. We smell the change and we apprehend it with our senses, right? We taste it, we smell it, we see it, we feel it. And I thought, oh, oh. And I realized how much my teachers had encouraged me and trained me to seek out a power animal for each one of my senses and to build a relationship with that animal, to have it both guard that sense Mm -hmm. so that my hearing remains sharp and my sight remains keen and my sense of smell, you know, retains its vibrancy and I am able to taste with um, exquisite precision. So what animal exemplifies smell for you? What animal quality of smell would you like to have? Is it a bloodhound? Yeah, I was going to say dog because I, my, my sense of smell used to be so – I could go in a room there's somebody smoked 20 hours. Though I, could, I could smell. I could smell anything. It was fantastic. I was sharp. And now, like, when I, I take out yogurt – and it has like this chemical. If this, I can't even describe the smell. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to have my a dog, my dog scent back. <laughs> I now I do want to ask you, and, and I'm not getting on your case about anything, um, but just to, to really check it out because you originally said that your smell was distorted, but you know, if you buy yogurt that has things in it besides milk and culture, you might be smelling those other things. Okay, it's the Faga yogurt. Uh-huh, and what are the ingredients? Um, oh, it's the cream, milk, um, the, the bacillus, the back, you know, the yogurt bacteria that put, they put in it. Uh huh. It's pretty base. It's pretty. And basic. you're reading this off the container. Well, I don't have a container now. I don't have. You don't, don't know what's one. in it then. You don't know if there's carrageenan or pectin or dry milk powder. And I guarantee you, if there's dry milk powder in there, which they usually use to thicken yogurt, it's going to smell like chemicals to you. But I never smelt it. I've never had that feeling before. It, it like, I understand, turns me but off. again, I'm looking for what your body's doing right. Oh, okay. Hmm. That, that's, that's interesting. So, you know, make a little test. Smell a bunch of different yogurts and see if they all smell the same to you. Okay, I could do that. Right, because it might just be that that particular kind has something in it that your body doesn't want and it's making it smell unattractive to you. Right, but this smell that I'm talking about, I smell mm-hmm. it a lot at, at, for, at you know, different things. And, and, Sometimes and well, I think I smell like it. I mean, <laughs> this might sound I, And again, crazy. I don't know. I'm not there, but there are I a know. lot of... There are a lot of chemicals in foods, and they're sometimes, true, you know, true. like, they're sometimes listed, and people don't pay any attention to them, because, you know, like, you can say, and truthfully say, what's in there is milk and cream and, you know, yogurt starter, but what I know is that 90% of the time, there's a bunch of other stuff in there. 
true. I agree with that. But this smell, I've never, I've never had this. It's like every. Oh, I understand. I'm I not trying to talk you out of it in any way at all. I'm absolutely happy for you to have that smell. And it might be that it's useful to you, and it might be that if you get in relationship to the dog of your dreams, the dog of your inner guidance, that that dog can help you deal with what's going on with your sense of smell. Would you recommend smelling something like um, mustard just to activate it or... I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying I'm to think of something to. Trying to think of how to activate the inner dog. Yeah, how would I activate how the inner you? dog? Okay, now? so you've already started simply by imagining okay, it. Okay. Now imagine it more. Think about this inner dog before you go to sleep, when you wake up, at odd moments during the day, the next time you meet a dog, if you have a dog, at certain times when you're with that dog. Think about this inner dog that is going to be your guardian. What does it look like? What color is it? How big is it? Really make a very clear image for yourself. So that, you, you, so that you ahead. begin to give it autonomy. And you can say, I want you to work all of the time I'm asleep at guarding my sense of smell from any harm and nourishing the sense of smell that will work the best for me. One of the difficulties that people have when they take LSD is that LSD increases every sense's sensitivity. And suddenly people are experiencing the world in totally new and different ways, but ways that have been true all along. That's interesting that you mentioned this because my neighbor, we call him the mushroom man, and he said, maybe you need to eat a few mushrooms. I wouldn't go against him. <laughs> yeah, he's the mushroom man. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking shiitake. <laughs> <laughs> Great scientific study finds psilocybin non-inferior to drugs. I always love it when the, when the natural remedy is non-inferior. <laughs> they want to come right back out, right out and say superior. They non-inferior with a notable lack of side effects as opposed to the drugs. They're not really gonna, not really gonna take that risk of saying, gee, it might be a lot better. <laughs> they make it sound like your choice take a drug or take a mushroom but no they're hard <laughs> he said take, yeah have some mushrooms and I think that might help you <laughs> so 
Well, set and setting, and get your get your guard dog in place before you take the mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. Right? Snow snow is melting, and uh, it's a good time to take a trip. I think it is. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Three blessings. Good night. Good night. Are you able to hear enough? Am I repeating enough? You're getting off. I know it's hard to All right. We have four that have best one. This is like Groundhog Day. I keep talking to people and there's still four left. <laughs> yes. Every time you answer one, a new one shows up. So we have four <laughs> in the queue. Calling from four area code eight four five. You are live with Susan. Hi, hi Susan. Oh hi. Hello. <laughs> of course, last week I brought the little list of the the things. There is background noise uh, uh, when you're speaking that kept going on while the telephone numbers changed because I believe from the beginning that maybe it's from a speaker, but it comes. No, it's the frogs. I don't know. What, it's like... Something frogs! Like, it's the frogs! Okay, anyway. I'm outside. Uh, my question is... Yes, can, you can hear me though, right? Yeah, I still hear it, yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, you... It is the frogs. It's the peepers. They're going to be going all night. Don't oh. you have them by you? Oh, oh, I, I hear what you're saying. No, I don't have them here, but I do hear them during summer very loudly. Yes. Well, they get started really early here, and it just ra- it's, we've had little showers over the past couple of days. So oh. they're out, out, you know. And, yes, it is hard to ignore because they're going, choose me, choose me, no, choose me, choose me. Okay. All right. So, first of all, let me report that uh, the OSHA that you uh, recommended for allergy, and I said a couple of weeks ago that it didn't work, uh, I lost the Catskill sample, and I ordered another one, which is Star West, costs double the price for the same amount, and the moment I used it, it completely knocked me out uh, all the symptoms of the allergy, like I think less than five minutes. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if I put a little more, and I don't remember how many drops you said, but obviously it's of a different uh, potency. It is double the price. I don't know why, but it did work and said what you expected me to respond to. I'm so happy to hear that. The next question is, uh, there are other things that are all uh, in the area of helping allergy and breathing. And I wonder what is the benefit of having a combination rather than just one element, like honeysuckle, English ivy, crop pain, root, mullein leaf, all mixed up together for the same purpose. What's the difference between mixing them and taking just one? When you would like to have an erotic encounter, 
Would you prefer to be in bed with one person or six? One. Why? So that's the answer. Correct. What is the... the As it's intimate, right? Yes, yeah, yes. And it's because fun. when you're with one person, you actually have some chance of communication and connection. And when you're with six people, hey, it works, it's erotic, it's fun, but there's very little intimacy, right? It's very different. The intensity spreads, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, in my rather jaded way, I suspect that herbalists are taught to combine herbs um, because it seems a little daunting to try to figure out the one herb that might work for that one person. So rather than say, oh, is this person going to respond better to Mullen or to Ella Campaign or to you know, OSHA, why don't we just throw them all in together and then it'll work for everybody? Oh, they don't, there isn't an interaction between these herbs that changes their capacity to influence the outcome? In general, I would say no. Hmm. That's not true of mushrooms. We have solid evidence that if mushroom A does 10 and mushroom B does 10, then mushroom A plus mushroom B does 30. That there is, in fact, something that happens when you use mushrooms together. Yeah. But I have not seen any actual evidence for that with plants. I have heard a huge number of people talking about it. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen it actually validated. And I have basically made a career of suggesting that people use one herb at a time with superb results. Yes. Yes, I, I you know I'm doing the Hawthorne and uh, um, motherwort for uh, more than a year now, and uh, I'm happy with them. Uh, my last question is, um, I don't know if it's related to all the tinctures and infusions, but I um, I go to the bathroom uh, very often. Annoying. <laughs> Every hour. Uh, at least, yeah. Uh, lately, in particular, so I thought maybe everything. That is generally called overactive bladder, uh-huh. and the um, as one of my teachers would put, the school solution to that is to just say no. Oh, just not go to the bathroom. You mean? No, go. You say no. You have to go. What are you telling no. me? You just thirty minutes ago. Cut it out. No. Because with an overactive bladder, the more often you go, the more often it's going to signal you. Oh, I didn't have that my entire life. I thought that this is a side effect of growing old. You know, I've had experiences in the past few years that have made me really question 
if there are, in fact, any real side effects of growing old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the worst of them was um, that Maria and I put down certain things that were happening to her as her growing old, when, in fact, what was happening was that she had cancer and didn't know it. If you listen to a lot of really loud music, then you might lose your hearing as you grow old. Oh, I listen to very... If you don't eat well-cooked leafy greens and lots and lots of red and orange stuff, you might, you know, not have good sight as you grow old. Those are certainly things that can happen. The lens on your eyes yellows as you grow old, and you can get cataracts as you grow old. I'm not denying that there are certain things that can happen. But if you feed yourself well and you move yourself well, there's not going to be a lot, and you do a very good job of that. Those were wonderful baked apples. I even forgave you the, uh, the, for putting raisins in them. <laughs> Did I? I hate raisins. Uh, no, I didn't put raisins. They were cranberries. Oh, they were cranberries. That's why I liked them. I said, I'm going to forgive her for putting raisins in here and eat them anyhow, no, I... and I was able to, and I thought, well, these are different raisins. They were cranberries. I'm so glad you told me that. <laughs> they didn't look red. They looked brown. I guess it was from baking with the apple. Because they roasted in the oven. That's right, why. right, right, right. So they did not look like cranberries at all. <laughs> the, the raisins I like are really cranberries. Good. Wait a minute. Okay. I have a question in relationship to that. Did you ever say that there's something with a... a um, uh, bell peppers, that is not good because I love bell peppers. I eat all the Would colors. you eat a green potato? Pardon? Would you eat a green potato? A green potato, no. Why not? Well, I guess because it's not ripe. Neither is a green bell pepper. I don't eat the green bell pepper. I eat only the colored, the, the uh, okay, red. Okay, well, that's better. That's and better. it has to do somewhat with how fussy one is. And as you know, I'm a fussy eater. And I know that if you grow bell peppers and you wait until they're ripe, until they're colored, yeah, and you harvest it, then you better eat it right away. It doesn't store very well. Even if you put it in the refrigerator, it's likely to mold up in a couple of days. And so in order to store them and transport them and sell them, they're generally sprayed with a fungicide. Oh. Even the the organic one? Well, it was organically what? Well, there are organic. It was organically what? What are the words that goes after organically? It's organically... Right. Grown. Grown, grown. As soon as it's harvested, those there are no standards. Oh, I see. So oh. organic produce can be sprayed with fungicides after it's harvested. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. And then they can say organically grown. Ooh. But, but if I roast them because that's how I eat them and I peel them, does that uh, cancel the the, the fungus effect? And or? some people say that you can scrub it off, too. You mean just wash it? Yeah. Oh. With a little brush. I like them roasted more than... Uh, uh, than uh, what a good way to eat them. 
They're delicious roasted, you know, Italian yeah. style. Nothing. Absolutely. And wonderful, wonderful source of carotene. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Now I am relieved because I adore them. Good. I'm so glad. I certainly would not want to take any pleasure from you of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> the more pleasure, the more life. I listen yes, yes. I listen to music, and my eyesight is good. I don't use glasses. I have a few gifts in my sleeve. They help me. Thank you. And and you have a wonderful attitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you, my teacher. You show me the way. <laughs> I'm so glad you called. Green blessings. Green blessings, Susan. Okay. And we do still have four callers on the line with questions. Our next caller is calling from the 608 area code from the 608. You're live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. This is Christine, sometimes known as Mullen, and um, I have a question. Yeah. I sat with you maybe uh, a while back, a year and a half ago or two years ago at the um, um, Wisconsin Herbal Conference with Linda's. And, yes, um, yes. It was a great time, and I have a question. I experienced the beginning of January a retinal tear in my right I- eye. I know, and well, actually, it was two of them at the same time. And um, what happened? They, was it well? What, did, did something shatter? No, I was Your doing eye? something forceful. I was doing something forceful. I was constructing something out of two by fours, and I, you know, the long story, pre-drilled holes so I could drive a screw through to, you know, hook them together, and. Um, and I'd been I'd already done about twenty or thirty of the screws, put them in place, and this was like the third to the last one. And I was like, oh, kind of in a, a sort of a push-up position, like forcing it. And all of a sudden, it was like a chunk of hair had fallen across my eye, and I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like swatting it away at my face, and it's not going away. And I'm like, what the heck? And I was like, Some, ugh, something's in my eye. No. And it had just, boom, just happened. And, well, there were two screws left, so I finished up the two screws. I'll I'll tell you what my physical therapist would say right away. She would say, you were holding your breath. I probably could have been. I very well could have been. I don't know. I often hold my breath and clench my teeth when I'm doing something. I've been trying to be very conscious. Oh, she is on my case all the time. She's, stop it. Stop holding your breath. Stop it. Stop it. You're going to rip that. You're going to tear that. You're going to do that. So really, you know, and, and that's why I'm saying it, not to get on your case, but for us all to know, especially when you're in those places where it's like, right then, say to yourself, breathe now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So retinal tears. Oh, well, wow. I have dealt with retinal that. scratches, but not a tear. Really? It was actually a tear, two tears in the retina. And, huh? um, and so, so you know I there's mean, tears because some doctor told you that. 
Well, yeah, this is how I found out. This happened, of course, on New Year's Day. Well, what's open on New Year's Day? I'd had the eye doctor tell me about, you know, a couple years before. If I ever had anything happen similar to that, to contact them right away. Well, nobody's open on New Year's Day. And New Year's was on a Monday, and so Tuesday I called. They got me in right away. They did some of these fancy optimat pictures and he said you have a couple of retinal tears we need to send you off to the emergency place so they sent me off to the emergency place who looked at it and they actually did emergency eye laser surgery to seal around the outside of the tears because they told me that if the blood continued to leak out like it was leaking out that I ran the risk of going blind okay indeed (laughs) yeah and so that was done uh, January, let's say January 2nd. What can I do to, one, um, besides breathe, yes, I got that. Um, what can I do to help it help it heal? Because I, I just I don't want to risk this again, and I don't, know, I don't know what to do. What can I do to help myself here? That's my Let question. me ask you some questions. First of all, are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions right now? No, and I'll tell you why. I tried the nettle uh, one, and I have trouble with my kidneys, and it slammed me for two days. I was laying in bed with horrible kidney aches, okay? So I have to completely restores kidney functioning and has built, rebuilt the kidneys of people who are on a list for transplants. I know, and I'm thinking maybe that I had it too strong. All I know... There's no such thing as too strong, and I'm not sure exactly the connection that you're making. What I would say, because you have this thing that you think nettle is, is try something like linden. Linden? Yeah. Okay. And eat cooked greens. Do you eat cooked greens at this point? Yes. Yes. And how long do you cook them? Usually I just steam them until they start to get soft. That's why I cook Then you are getting nothing from them. You might as well put them in your pillowcase and sleep on them. So you think I should do them raw? There is no green that you will get any nourishment from unless you cook it for a minimum of one hour. So I should cook them longer? Much, much longer. I didn't know that. Thank you. Plants have cell walls. Do you have any furniture made of wood? Yes. Those are the cell walls of plants. Those leafy greens have cell walls that strong. Yes, the wood is dead cell walls, so they're a little, you know, more hollow sounding. But the green plants are as hard as wood in terms of your body's ability to get any nutrition out of it. So I put my greens, I chop them coarsely, and put them in a pan with one inch of water, bring it to a boil, and then turn the fire down so it continues to simmer and cook it for a minimum of an hour. With a with lighter greens like spinach, what I will do is to um, cook some garlic and a little oil, throw the spinach into the hot garlic and the oil until it wilts, splash a little bit of water in, put a lid on it, and cook it for an hour. Okay. No. Got it. Makes sense. What we primarily want 
from the greens is minerals. And minerals cannot be destroyed. As a matter of fact, the more you heat a plant, the more minerals you'll get from it. So cook your greens and drink nourishing herbal infusions like linden or oat straw or red clover. Okay. So I want to circle back here. Are you aware that the kidneys do not have any nerve endings? No. I guess I didn't know No, that. there are no nerve endings of any kind in either the liver or the kidneys. It is impossible to feel your kidneys. This is how people can go into kidney failure and not know it. So when you tell me you were laid up in bed with pain in your kidneys from nettle, I go... What do you think is causing that? Not. That because you cannot feel your kidneys. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, because I don't know you well enough to know what's going on in your brain well, and why you would want to sabotage yourself. What I've been diagnosed with is diabetes type 2. Uh-huh. And um, the reason, I, and I started paying attention specifically to what I eat to control phosphorus and potassium levels because my urine was being very foamy, and that's one of the signs of kidney stress. So there's more information. I don't know if it's helpful. Uh-huh. So, and, and I'm not clear what you're, what you're telling me. So you were eating foods that were richer in potassium? I was trying to limit the amount of potassium I was intaking. You were trying to limit the amount of potassium that you were taking in. Uh huh. And And you had a blood test that showed your potassium was high? No, I just had the foamy urine. Uh huh. And and the other um, mineral that you mentioned? Phosphorus. Phosphorus, and your you had a blood test that showed your phosphorus was high, and you were trying to limit that. No, I was trying to address the fact that I had the foamy urine. And when I cut back and you on, um, decided that it was because you had too much of these two minerals. I thought that uh, I would lessen stress on my kidneys by paying attention to how much intake I was having of both potassium and phosphorus. It and, led to me stopping and, and all so the what did you eat. what did you stop eating? Uh Dairy. Oh, I cut out all dairy. I love cheese. I'm, I'm so really sorry to hear that. I know, and I love it. I've actually incorporated it in a, a bit more again. I am I, so I'm glad sorry. because you are going down the wrong path. All right. What, what can I do? What, 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 do you, what are your thoughts? Drink nourishing herbal infusions. Okay. Eat cooked greens. Cook okay. all of your vegetables for at least an hour. Okay. Don't eat anything raw. Okay. Are you able to do most of your own cooking? Yes. Good. So you don't have to rely on processed foods? No. Excellent. I don't think that you're going to be able to really change what's going on with your kidneys by not eating good foods. 
You can certainly change what's going on with your kidneys by not eating yucky foods. Mm. In other words, people who are eating a lot of processed foods, a lot of junk foods, a lot of fast foods, they stop eating those. You can definitely see an improvement in their kidney function. But more to the point is your blood sugar. Yes. And I'm curious as to what it is that you're doing to maintain an even blood sugar throughout the day. All right. So there's, um, I stopped eating potatoes because I love potatoes, and potatoes spike my blood sugar. I test my blood sugar a couple times a day, uh-huh. and I try to eat depending on where my blood sugar lands. Um, so potatoes, Do you find I that stop- if you eat potatoes, your blood sugar goes up? Oh, yeah, anything larger than a golf ball portion size, which to me is like punishment, okay? Um, and this is potatoes cooked in any way? And it didn't matter, mashed potatoes, you know, potato chunks in a soup. It just, it, it, but I don't know why, but potatoes really spike the blood sugar. And Your bread, blood sugar. My blood sugar, yes, and bread. Uh-huh. You know, any kind of any kind of bread, even the lovely whole wheat full of, you know, everything like what we were getting at the conference. You know, much as I love it and I love to slather it with butter and have a slice of it, it still, it, I don't know, spikes my blood sugar so too. I'm, I'm a little, let me, let's see here. So let's start here. When you eat, your blood sugar is supposed to go up. Yes. That's healthy. Yes. Yes. And virtually anything you eat that actually puts food in your body, that food will be converted into sugar and your blood sugar will go up. Yes. Yes. And it's supposed to recover, though, in two to three hours and go back down. Yes. Yes. So what you're saying is not just that potato makes your blood sugar go up when you eat it, but that three hours later it's still elevated. Yes. Yes, thank you. Okay. Now I'm starting to understand what you're saying. So what that is saying to me is that the gut flora that you have is not up to the task of really working with your food. Ah. Would you like recommend and, bitters? Like and start dandelion? thinking about bitters generally kills gut flora. Bitters kills it? What does the taste of bitter signify? It signifies a poison. Mm. People pick bitters because poisons activate the liver. Right. But they are poisons. They're mild poisons, and plant poisons certainly kill you dead. Coffee's a poison. It's bitter, right? Right. So I'm not, you know, against them. I'm just saying that it doesn't increase gut flora. Do you live in a place where you could go outside and pick a garlic mustard leaf? Yes. Well, not in or my yard. Or a dandelion leaf or a dandelion flower? Yes, yes. Could you do that first thing every day? Uh, right now, yeah. The dandelions are just starting to bloom here in Wisconsin. Right. where I live. First thing in the morning, you're going to go outside and you're going to eat 
one or more leaves of any edible wild plant without washing it. You're going to eat it right there. Okay. Just pick it and eat it, yes? Yes. And I guarantee that within five or six days, there will be lots of new things in your gut. Okay. And so you say both garlic mustard and the dandelion? Because I have a friend that has a bunch of garlic mustard. Any wild Any plant, what your gut is missing is bacteria from the soil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friend Ryan Drum says, Susan, it's rather devious to tell them to eat plants when what you want them to do is eat dirt. I suggest that people aren't going to eat dirt, Ryan. They will eat plants, but they won't eat dirt. He says, well, I just tell them to take a glass of water out to the garden, put a spoonful of good garden soil in that water, stir it up, let it settle, and then drink it. Got it. I mean, you know what? Every once in a while, I do sort of taste the dirt. Yeah. You know, in the studies of the microbiome, it's very clear that what's missing in most American guts is soil bacteria. Got it. And you think about native people, they're like eating on the ground, preparing their food, you know, with maybe a banana leaf between the ground and the food. Yeah. Or cattail mats between the ground and the food. Yeah. So there's a lot of soil bacteria in their gut. That and the long, slow cooking of food maximizes your body's ability to maintain even blood sugar. You know the favorite herb in South America for reversing type 2 diabetes is nettle. Mm. You see why I said you were sabotaging yourself. Yeah, I kind of do. The herb that restores kidney function, the herb that takes away type 2 diabetes, the herb that um, makes your electrolytes sit up and take notice, and you've spun a story of horror about it. And I've got some growing in my garden right now. It's not very tall. It's only maybe five inches tall. That's perfect size for making nettle soup. Boil Mm. some water, drop those nettle tops in it, I bet you can guess how long I let my nettle soup cook. Over an hour. Mm-hmm. Usually three. Wow. Good. Thank you for letting me know that. I can definitely bring it to a boil and let it simmer there on the stove for, right. you know, three hours. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to stand there and watch it. You just, you know, every half hour, hour or so, you just kind of, kind of come in, lift the lid and go, mm, that smells good. And if the flame has gotten, you know, wrong or or you know, really rowdy there, and some of the water's boiled away, I can add a little more, right? Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Total sense. Yeah. And I find that nettle soup, it lasts really well. I make a lot at a time. It'll last refrigerated for a couple of weeks. Mm, and I, you know, and I freeze it, so I have it in the wintertime, too. That's smart. That's so smart. But then you're a smart woman. I know you are. True enough. And not a very good consumer. Often, things that I failed consumerism 101. They never took a makeup class. Good to know that I can see that. So, what I would like you to do is to cook cook your vegetables, drink some nourishing herbal infusion. Right, rotate through the nourishing herbal infusions. If you don't want to do nettle, leave nettle to the side for now. If you do want to do nettle, what I would say is make your quart of nettle infusion 
and then after you strain it, pour it in an ice cube tray. Mm. And that way you can use one ice cube of nettle at a time, right? Right. And you can drop it in a glass of water or you can drop it in any other beverage. And that way you get the full strength nettle, but just a little bit at a time. So you're going to cook your vegetables. You can drink nourishing herbal infusions. And I would like to see you front load your diet. I'd like to see you eat 40 to 50% of the calories you're going to eat that day at breakfast. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm pretty bad at because there's a lot of times I'll be like, I'm not hungry, and I don't get hungry until like 11 or maybe 12. So that would be a good change to try, wouldn't it? Breakfast can be at any time. Breakfast can be at 11. Okay. I'm not saying you have to eat breakfast at 6 a.m., but I'm saying that the first meal you have, which I'm calling breakfast, I'd like mm-hmm. to see a lot of protein and a lot of calories right there. And when you say protein, um, like a good organic meat like I've gotten at the food co-op? Meat is good. Fish is good. Eggs is good. Cheese is good. Okay. Yeah. Um, Want a breakfast that your body is going to be working on all day long. Okay. Because that helps your body to create an even blood sugar. Okay. It's kind of like driving when you set the cruise control, right? Right. It usually takes a week or 10 days for your body to get the message that it's going to be given lots of food for breakfast. And it will settle into that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're really staying on top of your of your blood sugar. And I, and I suspect that you're somewhat using it to punish yourself. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I will say this: for the majority of my life, I've been a a sugar, a refined sugar addict. And basically, for the last three to four years, I've pretty much totally cut out, and I mean totally cut out candy bars, cake, donuts, you know, all that lovely refined sugar stuff. So Good for you. And you've replaced it with? Well, what I do is um, when I get an intense, like, and I still get sugar cravings. It's like an addiction. It's an addiction for me. It's not like it is an addiction for me. And well, so okay, what I just see, I, I what is the, the dark, most common like term that we would call a beloved? Here, honey, honey, sweetie, sugar. True. Breast milk is incredibly sweet. The caramel. Life is sweet. Wanting sweet is not an addiction. Yes, you can be addicted to white sugar, especially with refined carbohydrates. I totally agree with you. But the desire for sweet is not an addiction. 
Okay. What you want to do is provide that in ways that are meaningful and usable. I worked in a lot of health food stores, and we saw people come in. They weren't eating any white sugar at all, but they were buying five pounds of honey a week. It's the same thing. They're not improving their diet by eating five pounds of honey a week. Right. Right. You actually have to switch out something. You say, wow, I want something sweet right now. What would happen if I ate some seaweed? You seen those little packages of seaweed sheets that people eat? Yes. Yeah. So what would happen if when you wanted something sweet, you ate that? I think that would probably be helpful. Yes. Because the craving of sweet is physiologically a craving for minerals. In nature, all sweets are mineral rich, like maple syrup. And molasses. It's the refinement of that. Real sugar cane sugar is as hard as a rock and dark and loaded with minerals. So when we want sweet, we want minerals. We just don't know it because we've only ever had sweet that had the minerals taken out. Mm. Oh, God, this makes so much sense. So when you start offering yourself minerals, when your body says, I want something sweet, your body says, oh, that's what I really wanted all along. And again, there's nothing wrong with wanting sweet. Right in front of me, I have the most delicious dessert. This dessert was made with organic brown rice, duck eggs from the vets down the road, colostrum, which is the first milk from the goats, and organic maple syrup from Vermont. Mm. Was that rice pudding good? It's delicious. <laughs> but not overly sweet, was it? No. It was a dessert, but it wasn't like I, I don't even know what the word for it is. It's like the maple syrup is so nourishing that your body almost does it says. Really? Okay, I guess I guess sweet. But it's but the the inner sense is something far deeper than that little thing you get from the white sugar. It was fascinating to me when I was undergoing radiation therapy and just going through my bowels and my eating became incredibly deranged. And I would make wonderful food for myself, sit it on the table put my fork in it, raise it to my mouth, and my mouth would clamp shut and say, no way, absolutely not. And the less actual food that I could eat, the more I craved sweet. Mm. As the mineral quality of my diet decreased, my craving for sweet went up and up and up so that it became impossible for me to drink anything that didn't have honey in it. Wow. Right. The, what my body really wanted was green tea gelato. Mm. And I said, really? It's like, not my first choice of good food, but if that's what you'll eat, I'll feed it to you. 
Yeah. And gradually, 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 as I came out of it and came out of the damage of it, my ability to tolerate and eat greens came back, and my desire for sweet disappeared. Mm. We bring a group of green goddesses in here every year, and on the sixth night, on Saturday night, they get all the sweets they want to eat. They get candy and cookies. Now, they're good cookies. They're Fig Newmans and coconut macaroons and chocolate chocolate chip cookies. You know, they're not refined stuff. And good chocolate, you know, organic and high amount of chocolate. Um, and the women are astonished to find that a cookie, a piece of chocolate is incredibly satisfying and they have no desire for a second one. Wow. And I pass the basket around and around and around and say, take more, take more, take more. I really, I really like encourage them to eat as much as they want of it. And they say to me, but, but I don't want any more. And I say, look at what's happened in six days of mineralizing. I'm taking Yeah. Yeah, what a great question you brought today. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for you, being Will you call back in a couple of weeks so we can continue this discussion? You'll let me know what you've been doing and how that's working, and we'll continue on from there? That sounds wonderful, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. Green blessings. Good, Good night. Callers on the line. The next caller is calling from three callers on the line in four minutes. Okay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) go ahead. Next caller is the eight one two area code and the eight one two. You're live with Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you tonight? Hey, doing well. What's up with you? Hey, so I for the past seven or so years have been on and off antidepressants and. Um, ADHD medication, and I'd like to go off of it. And so I'm just curious what your thoughts are on um, herbal help and also just kind of reframing certain things within my own head and, you know, just kind of ways of going forward without relying on uh, pharmaceuticals. Well, you know, I don't think I've ever met a depressed woman in my life. Yeah. But I have met a lot of Angry women who don't know they're angry. <laughs> yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. So basically you have a choice, anger or pharmaceuticals. Mm. I like that. Because really what is depression? Depression is giving up. Depression is saying, I can't make it work. And I have seen amazing people all over the world who are in circumstances that are incredibly daunting, who didn't give up right. and they weren't depressed. Right. So we know it's not what's happening to us, even though bad stuff happens. We know 
No, it's our ability to feel that there is some place that we can go, something that we can do, some escape route. I tell the story of walking to the hall at the main house at the Wise Women's Center, and one of the apprentices was sitting and crying, and I sat down next to her and cried with her. I said, what are you crying about? I said, any number of things. A woman dies in, in childbirth or childbirth-related problems, you know, once every two minutes on the planet. There's a lot to cry about. A woman is, you know, raped once every three minutes in the United States. There's a lot to cry about. I said, but really, when we're done crying, what we really need to do is get angry. Because crying is just kind of personal boo-hoo. But getting angry now does something for those other women. I didn't die in childbirth. I fought off my would-be rapist. And so I can get angry and use that anger to help others. I see. At first, anger seems like self-indulgence. But in fact, anger is the only thing that makes real change, isn't it? Yes. When we've absolutely had enough, we get angry. And it doesn't have to be destructive anger. Right. You don't have to hurt people to be angry. Right. You're really just being real. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lisa Starkweather taught at the Wise Women's Center, and there are big cliffs here. And she made the best use of the land I've ever seen any visiting teacher make. She had the women go out to one of the cliffs, put both hands against it, and push the cliff and scream at it with all their might. Mm. And she compared that to what most women are doing in their lives, that they're using their anger and their power against things that they can never move or change. Mm-hmm. And then she had them turn around and imagine something that they were really angry about. And to create that and to push into that and to see how that felt different. Yeah. 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 Let's listen to what Lisa Labart has to tell us about all of that. Thanks so much for your call. Green Thank blessing. You. Good night. Lisa Lavart is on a mission. Goddess on Earth, her lifelong assignment, celebrates contemporary women while drawing upon ancient stories to elevate life journeys. Lisa Lavart, Hudson Valley artist and photographer, uses archetypal imagery. And she creates it through the eyes of love to inspire other women to be their most powerful selves. Are you getting why I love this woman? Mm -hmm. For over 20 years, Lisa has traveled the world creating iconic portraits that reveal the spirit of independent girls, ferocious women, powerful warrior activists, and epic elders. She weaves together the personal and collective journeys of our lives as women.
Lucilla Vart's work has been exhibited widely and is represented in the permanent collection of the 9-11 Memorial Museum in New York City. Her projects have generously been supported by the New York State Council of the Arts. In 2015, 2018, and 2020, her work was recognized by the Julia Margaret Cameron Award for Women Photographers. Her first book, Goddess on Earth, Portraits of the Divine Feminine, won a Gold Nautilus Book Award and was named one of the 100 Best New Women's Spirituality Books by the California Institute of Integral Studies. And I just have to stop there because that reading that, just like the first time I read it, I, just, I had to like stop and go, oh, my gosh, one of the 100 best for that year. I remember when we were lucky to get a new goddess book won a year. Well, in June 2021, Goddess on Earth, Oracle, a divination deck and guidebook will be released, and that is coming up soon. Welcome to the show, Lisa. So good to be with you again. Hi, Susan. It's so hi, great hi. To be here. Oh. <laughs> hi. I love talking to you, and I love listening to all your advice. And um, gee, I want some of that rice pudding right now. <laughs> Okay, come on over. <laughs> I'll be there soon. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. You have been photographing women for over 20 years, embodying yes. the divine feminine. And, in fact, the newest work that you are doing with the native people of the place mm. near where you live um, doesn't just ask uh, what goddess are you but what are the goddesses of your culture yeah and what goddess are you because i i think you said that you found that um when you asked them they had lost that connection between their culture and the goddesses of their culture and themselves am i getting this all mangled or is it true no 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 you're right and um you know I'm going to go back to something you were just talking about before we started yes. talking about anger. Yes, And yes. it brought up for me 20 years ago, you know, like, why am I doing this? Why have I been doing this for 20 years? And it goes back to standing in a moon circle 20 years ago and being told by the priestess, it was the first time I was in a moon circle, uh, full moon out, standing around a fire, and being told or asked, you know, to say out loud names of goddesses. And I heard these names being said out loud. And, uh, of course, I knew Artemis, you know, and um, Aphrodite. But there were other names uh, that I'd never heard of and, um, you know, a lot of names. And I went home and I was just stunned, really stunned. Like, what? What are these What are these goddesses? What are these names that I, I don't know about? And then I just scratched the surface and thought, oh, my goddess, there's so many goddesses that have been buried that here I am, a whatever I was then, 45-year-old woman, and I didn't know the names of any of them. And it, it made me mad, you know, going back to that being angry. And, yes. Yes. you know, yes. how is that possible? How is it possible that there were so many names that other women knew right there and I had not a clue? <laughs> And uh, it, it felt like something had been stolen from me. And uh, as a woman, as a woman, uh, something was stolen. And that was really the beginning of it. When you really say anger, it, it, it was, um, I, I wasn't pushing against that mountain, but pushed against something that I could do something about, which was 
find out, learn for myself, ask other women uh, to teach me. That's what each portrait is. Each portrait is me learning from them and learning uh, about another goddess, another archetype. And that's what I did. Uh, uh, that was what the process was with the uh, Ramapholdenapi women. It was, uh, what? tell me your stories. I don't know your stories. I don't even, I didn't, when I began that process, uh, working with the women, was because, again, I didn't know uh, who are the women, who lives on, who, who lived on the land that I'm, I live in the Hudson Valley, and who, who are the indigenous people that lived here, and, I, you know, it's, it's not embarrassing, but I didn't know. I was ignorant, but it, it spurred me on. It was like, wait a minute, I got to know, and searching it out, and the, and the women themselves have been buried. It's been buried from our society, from colonization, from patriarchy, these are these important stories that guide us, can inform us, can lead us uh, in life, have been buried. They're, it's taken away. We should be angry. <laughs> you know? And, that's, and that keeps you going. Yeah. yeah. And the anger yeah. is like the eternal flame that keeps right. you generating this life-giving, power-giving, soul-enriching work out into the world. That's right. And it, interesting that this is our subject because before we started to talk, I pulled a card from the Oracle deck, my new Oracle deck, and I put, picked Pele. And the message on the card is protect fiercely. <laughs> Fire. Pele, erupt. <laughs> right. 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 Erupt, but protect. You know, with all right. your passion, how do you protect your... Right, like you know, that wonderful important. saying, right, that um, well-behaved women don't make history. Right. Right. 100%. <laughs> right. right. So the stories of the culture tell us how it's appropriate to be, how it's appropriate to think of ourselves how it's appropriate to act, and when those stories are enriched and brought forward the way that you are doing, what happens? I think um, on an individual level, one woman at a time, it lifts the women up. Each woman, when they uh, identify a story that they may not have known before, maybe they did, but that they say, that's me. If they can say, look at a a story that's written and say, that's me, and then allow that to flow through their bodies and and trust then trust me enough to uh, see them. As I said, with eyes of love, see them in that beauty, in that beautiful state. It is not just beauty. It's about their true essence. Uh, and then allow me to, 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 to say, yes, this is who I am, to share that with the world. Mm, that lifts that woman up so high. I mean, it's, it's, a, be- it's a beautiful thing. They're a goddess. <laughs> and in another level, then others see them that way. And when, they, when they're owning that and they see how glorious they are uh, with the women of the Rampal and Oppie Nation, we, we went and did uh, talks to um, uh, museums and to libraries and to um, colleges 
and we're giving talks and we're spreading the word and then we, and everyone's seeing these women in their power and in their strength telling their stories and uh being real it, it's a it, it just it's like a ripple in the in the in the pond to see the effect and how it just keeps going that's the effect of it i was so moved when i was allowed to view the movie that I think your husband made, I yeah. Got a Spirit mm-hmm. Rising, of you working with the Ramapo Lenape women and seeing you um, being introduced there and making friends with them and talking to them about goddess and female archetypes and seeing kind of blank looks on their faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and working with them to recover these cultural things that are part of their cultural culture that they didn't know about. Right. That your, well, that your question began to stir. And and as we see these women doing this and then claiming those powers and those archetypes of themselves and allowing you to photograph them, just the whole arc of becoming that we see over and over again in these women, stunning yeah, it, isn't it stunning? It is stunning to see that transformation. Uh, it's the process is is, fa- is 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 fascinating, fabulous, magical, uh, in, incredible to witness. To actually see a woman like embody it and take it into their bodies when before they they didn't. It was an unknown. It was just like, what is this? <laughs> You know what? What? <laughs> and then though to to own it as theirs, um, it's such a privilege and such an honor for uh, me to um, that they that they trust me and allow me to witness that and share it to share it. Oh, it's such a, a such a an honor, really. Truly, truly. Your newest work is going to be out in mm, a little over a month. Yeah. Goddess on Earth Oracle Deck. How did that come to be the next thing? You know, um, I've been working on this for a while. You, you've seen it. Uh, there was sort of a Oracle Deck uh, 1.0 a couple yep, of years yep, yep. ago. And um, I just, uh, at that point, I made, there was a limited uh, edition of 100, uh, and there was 25 portraits in it, and that was it. And it, I think it was like a month. They were all gone. They were just eaten up. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you know, well, I think I, I think there's something here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I started to, I, I did, you know, I started work on it. I, we talked about it. I was developing it. But co- when COVID came, it really gave me an opportunity. It was like, all right, whoa, all right, you have a moment here, and to just totally deep dive, make this happen. And that that this has been like uh, I mean I worked really hard this year to just uh, go through the whole process of writing. I wrote a book to go with it, a um, double the size of the deck. Worked with a glorious designer to create this um, magical package of the whole thing, and uh, and then uh, make it happen. Have a Kickstarter campaign to raise the money. Have a uh, then bring it to a printer and it's, you know, go through the printing process. And I'm very particular. So uh wasn't I just remember like you went to Italy to supervise the yeah. printing of Goddess on Earth. 
Exactly. But and this was actually, Susan, I have a very close friend who lives in China. So there was, in the back of my mind, I'd always thought, oh, I'll go to China when it's, if it's made there and visit my friend and then go on press because, I, you know, that's when it happens, when they make it and they say this or this. Which one mm-hmm. do you like mm-hmm. this or not like it? And that's your final choice. There's no turning back. So it's very important that you're on press. And uh, with COVID, I couldn't go. But um, my friend went. He was my eyes. And, oh, my uh, gosh. He, yeah, it was, I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He was Skyping me and saying, okay, here it is. You want to look, look at this. Look at that. I, oh I, I'm leaning toward this, but you, what do you think? And I say, I think they should push it this way, push it that way. A little, can't they be a little brighter? <laughs> I asked him on air. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Oh my god! I was so, so lucky. You know, incredibly lucky to have that um, someone there to, to to do that. It's very important to have that on on press. So I'm very excited. Uh, be I am so excited, a, too. Now, everybody yeah. listening, I want to really point out here that this is not Lisa saying, I'm so angry and having a tantrum here. This is not Lisa saying, oh, I am just furious and going out and breaking something. This is Lisa saying, I'm very upset, and I'm really angry that women don't have this power. And then choosing a way to change that and following through completely. So she uses the fire of that anger to take her to the end of the project. And I'm making this point because I know that you, like I, Lisa, have seen many women with wonderful projects, and they get 90% done, and then they just somehow can't find what they need for the last 10%. Have you seen that? Hundred percent. Yes, yes, I have. And I will remind you that when uh, I came and we were doing your Baba Yaga portrait for the book <laughs> Goddess on Earth, that was something you advice you gave me. You had, you you reminded me of that, and you said, "Don't be one of those women that only goes ninety percent." <laughs> and I absorbed that. I heard that, and I was like. I'm not gonna. I'm going 100. percent I'm going there. <laughs> and you have to. Yeah, and you have to. Yeah. And it really requires you throwing your heart into it, and that's what you yeah. do. And it shows in everything that you do, Lisa. We're in great need of your sharing with people how they can get a copy of Goddess on Earth, the book, the Oracle, the deck, how they can find out about your work. Please tell us. Yes. Um, Well, I have a wonderful brand-new revised website, so I would love people to go to that. It's completely new. It's uh, goddessonearth.com. And there is all the information you'll, uh, you could possibly want, I think, about the work. It's, uh, the Oracle deck is, up, um, is on, um, there's a discount for pre-orders until it's launched. It will be launched uh, on uh, summer solstice in, in June. And so until then, there's a discount, and the, you can pre-order it there. But you can also get the book with Susan, your uh, beautiful Baba Yaga, powerful, 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 powerful Baba Yaga portrait. 
uh, is featured in Goddess on Earth, Portraits of the Divine Feminine, and it's all there on the on the website. All right. Yes, as I recall it, it's always interesting to have two people who have experienced something. It was a long time ago now. Yeah. That I first you know, saw the portraits that you had done for Goddess on Earth. And I was really taken with them. They were so beautiful and just so, so loving. Mm. But they seemed to me to portray pretty, slim, whitish girls. Mm-hmm. And so I said to you, you know what? The goddess can be a bitch, too. And you really heard me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you, the, the, you... The, the finished book is so comprehensive. And I think that you went from here um, and went to Africa and went to older women and went to disabled women and, and really took a look at what you could do to show every woman she was the goddess. Is that yeah, similar I, to your I, memory? Yes, 100%. I remember that conversation very well. And um, I think, uh, the, yes, it was a while ago, and it was very early for me in the process. And I uh, I think, yes, I heard what, exactly what you said, and I had to be conscious, break out of my own little circle my own circle of uh, women that I knew. That's how it started. I first started photographing my family, my friends. It grew to acquaintances, to neighbors. But then it had to go bigger. It had to be all all the women. It had to be all shapes and sizes, all ages, all, all fierceness or tenderness or age groups. And you were right. Uh, I had to keep growing. At, but it takes... Um, Concentration too, you know, determined to 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 embrace all those and to reach past your comfort zone to say, wait a minute, who lives in who's the indigenous people in my that you know who who lives where I you know who originally caregivers of my the land I live on you know who who is it I didn't know, but it was important to be reaching out to get those make those bridges so that it was inclusive. And yes, I heard. And I was going to ask you, did that then like evolve or grow into your work with the Ramapo Lenape? And it sounds like, yes, it did. 100%. That as you expanded your comfort zone, you began to see more empty places, more places where there were obviously things that had been taken away or things that had been hidden. Yeah. Well, it took, you know, it was, it, you know, I, I didn't know this, these women. I didn't know the community. I had to say, hi, <laughs> here I am. I'm an artist and I want to, I want to, uh, I'd love to share your stories. And I, and I made a, a, you know, I held community meetings. I invited the women, any woman to come and we had to build those bridges and make it happen. So yeah, pushed against uh, walls that you know could be moved. Mm -hmm. That could be moved exactly, and that that series, the women of the Ramapo Lenape Nation. I've seen photographs from it. I've seen the movie. Is any of that available, like on your website or publicly? 
Um, there is some information about it on the website. Some of the women are in the Oracle deck. Uh, Chief Clara Storymark uh-huh. is in it. There are a couple of others. There are some indigenous women, yes, in the Oracle deck. Um, uh, that is an ongoing series, including spreading out. I've been f- photographing um, up in Maine the Webinaki, women of the Webinaki Confederacy, and in uh, Minnesota. So that's an ongoing project that will continue. Uh, and, and but it's in, it, some of it is folded into this Oracle deck. But I didn't want it to be all Indigenous. I wanted it to be very, you know, much broader. Um, but that's an ongoing project that I will pick up once I can be out there moving again. Once we are out of COVID days. Out of COVID. Out of COVID days. Do you find that in general, when you're working with indigenous people, native people, and you say the word goddess, that they immediately get it? Or is is there a lot of this kind of what we were talking about, this kind of like blank stare that you originally got from the Ramapo Lenape women? Um, Well, I wouldn't call it blank stare, but it was more like, you know, what are your – actually, I call it sacred stories. They're they're more sacred stories. It's the same. You know, it's the same thing. It's It's just a different word for it, myth. Uh, sacred story, goddess, archetype, divine feminine. I change the language and say sacred stories. Uh, and it's more like, hmm, they, had, they went through the same, hmm, why don't I know about my own stories? Yeah, why don't I? <laughs> and I think it uh, just a, a light bulb goes off in us women, that's, that we all, all of us, us women, go, where are our stories? Who took them? That's, I think that's very important what you're saying, is that we don't have to use the word goddess. Mm-hmm. That, that you don't have to go and, and say, you know, where's the goddess? You can say, what are your stories? What are your stories of, of strong women? What are your stories of women's lives? That's right. And Merlin Stone, of course, was one of the, the first women who really turned me on to that. You know, she, with her daughter, collected stories of women from all over the world and presented them to us in her second book. And when she came, when Merlin came here to teach, it was one of her go-to activities. She'd take us out to this beautiful little mossy patch, which is in honor of her now, that she's not here with us in a body anymore, the Merlin Stone camping site. And she would have a sit in a circle there, and she would pass her book of stories around and have us choose and read stories to each other. Mm-hmm. And for, for me, to hear the stories of women from other places cracked open assumptions that I didn't even realize that I had had. Mm-hmm. How many times have you heard, you know, that the, 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 the sun is male? And yet, the vast majority of cultures on this planet see the, the sun as female because it's steady and it gives to everyone equally, and the moon is male because it's fickle and can't be counted on to stick around. <laughs> well, that one of the uh, there's Grandmother South in the Lenape. Uh, is one of the creation stories is the sun. Grandmother South is the sun. 
in the that was one of the portraits that I did in one of the stories. Yes, and I just want to say also, like passing that story, the her book around Merlin Stone's uh, wonderful book in that effect. That's my intention with the Oracle deck that that all these women have shared their stories with me and inspired me, and then so that I created. A usable deck, and you know, an oracle deck with a book, not 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 necessarily a coffee table book. It's not something you put on your table. It's something you use, something you pass around. It's something you read other women's stories, and then they've written to you to say, and this is my take, and this is what I'm sharing. I'm sharing my wisdom with you, and this is what I learned from that story. This is what, you know, the women said, not me. The women said, and this is this is what I've learned, and I'm passing this on to you. So it's really kind of very in that same um, lineage of creating something that other women can uh, pass around and share and learn from their sisters. Yes, yes. Since we don't have consciousness-raising groups anymore, and I wish we did, because they're still needed, uh, yeah. at, least, at least we can have gatherings where we tell each other our stories from all over the world. Yep. And yeah. I see... Just at Moon Lodge, how powerfully we are affected by other women's stories. They give us permission to live fully. I remember at one Moon Lodge, and there was a teenager at the Moon Lodge, and we go from the eldest to the youngest, passing the talking stick. And it got to this teenager. She was the last to speak, and she looked around, and she said, I'll never again believe any of the things my friends are telling me about how I have to be. Mm-hmm. Oh. She says, I now, now see that the expression of woman is anything I want. Right. Now, wouldn't you love to check in with her now? Yeah. You know, right? And wouldn't I love to have every teenager come to a moon lodge and get it? Well, let me tell and you something. every teenager to have a copy of Goddess on Earth. <laughs> there are and to see, wow, that's a woman and that's a woman and that's a woman. And, of course, yeah. you know, one of my favorites, and I'm sure it's one of everybody's favorites, is that really rocking, right, bull dyke. Oh, And yeah. what goddess is she? She's the mother of Jesus. Mary. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, I want to share one other thing, is that in the book, in the Goddess on Earth book, there are some young girls who I was who were in the moon circle with me and who we had gone to goddess camps together. And I photographed them, a, a group of about eight of these girls when they were 13, 12, 13, 8. And then I've re-photographed them as 25, 26, 27-year-olds, and they're in the Oracle deck. And then to compare where they went, the, the images of them as as 12-year-old girls and as 27-year-old women. Oh, it's just a thing of beauty to see. It's a thing of beauty. I am getting goddess bumps <laughs> all over my body. <laughs> Lisa, I could talk to you for ages. I love you so, and I am so thrilled to get to share this time and this space with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is... Paul's tree to say that compared to the feeling of gratitude that I have for you and your work. 
And, of course, saying that I could talk to you forever is only the preliminary to saying that we have to say goodbye, right? We know how yeah. that goes because it's blog yeah. talk, and they're going to shut that door on us. And so I want to give you this last moment to leave something in the hearts and minds of everyone who's listening to you. Well, I guess the my intention behind the whole Oracle deck is that we as women really are here to lift and hold and support each other in this crazy journey we're on. And to that's what we're here to do. And, um, and you have done that for me. You have lifted and held me, and you support me. And I pass that on to other women, and I love you too so much, Susan. <laughs> I feel so grateful to you. GoddessOnEarth.com. Check it out. You will be glad. Lisa, you know that I envision that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients and the threads that you add to that glitter and glow and help us all to wrap ourselves in beauty and in healing. Thank you. Sarah Ellen, thank you for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Thanks for calling tonight, Rebecca. Love to you all. Green blessings. Good night. Good night, Susan. Green blessings.